0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by LaCrosse Boots. Now, if you guys haven't had the opportunity to check out the Navigator Series, it's a brand new lineup from LaCrosse. They have the Windrose for men and women. They also have the Atlas and that's what I wore during my rut vacation this fall. Check them out. They're very comfortable. Uh, It's a traditional rubber boot kind of mixed with a traditional hunting hiking boot they've mashed it together and the outcome is the navigator series check it out at lacrossefootwear.com
2: my name is clay newcomb and i'm the host of the bear hunting magazine podcast i'll also be your host into the world of hunting the icon of north american wilderness the bear We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet, chasing Bay. This is a fun podcast where we spend some time with my buddy Jason Boak up in Spearfish, South Dakota. The topics range from authentic manhood to spot and stalk mountain lion hunting. Jason's a former Navy SEAL and an all-around upstanding guy. Be sure this week to check out our buddies over at the Western Bear Foundation. They're a nonprofit hunting conservation organization that is a voice for bear hunters out west. Also, check out our buddies at W Hunting Supply. That's du supply.com. Right now they've got a uh, they've got a customized tool on their website where you can build your own multi-dog alpha or Astro Bundle. If you're a hound hunter or dog hunter, you know what I'm talking about. This is a Garmin product where we track our dogs. But they've got some unique tools on their website and they've got great customer service. If you have any trouble, call them. You'll be talking to a houndsman or houndswoman that knows the answers. So check out our buddies at W Hunting Supply. Lastly, our buddies at Northwoods Bear Products. With the spring now in sight, seems crazy, but it really is. Next thing we're going to be hunting is bears in the spring. Be thinking about Northwood's bear products for their full line of commercial scents. Check them out. And check out the new flashy hat series from Bear Bearhunting Magazine. We have some really cool hats and also some really cool new shirt designs on our website bear grease flashy mule and bear dogs we have all kinds of shirts short sleeve long sleeve hoodies and even some specialty coffee mugs that uh, you can check out at bear-hunting.com so we're in spearfish south dakota spearfish south dakota there's there's not much snow on the ground. I was expecting a little more snow. Yeah. But uh, no, nah, I'm I'm with my good buddy Jason Boak. So Jason, we've known each other for 15 years, maybe. Yeah, been a while now. Yep. Probably 15 years. And uh, the sad news is we've never hunted together. <laughs> I know. Is that, that's pretty sad news. <laughs> that's but, true. But we've not kept for a lack of a- trying. That's right. Yeah. yeah, we kept up with each other's hunting. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah. But uh, no. So what I wanna what I wanna talk to you about is uh, is some of the stuff going on in in South Dakota. South Dakota oh. is a pretty amazing place for wildlife. Yeah. We're sitting in your kitchen just a minute ago, glassing a buck that me and my boys were like drooling over. <laughs> a nice what you would call a four point. Yep. Now, to me, that's like cutting him short, big time. That's an eight point, yep, Jason. Yeah. but you look out and you're like, there's a nice four-point back there.: That's right. And I'm like, man, you're only giving that deer half credit. <laughs> so We've, even with the white tails, you're, you're, you're going with the one-point side, one-point side, yeah, we make, them, we make them work
1: to you know be <laughs> be spectacular. that's right.
2: you know, I, I, was, I was hearing a guy uh, talking about the Southeastern Conference in football mm-hmm. the other day. And there's a phrase that we use down there. It just means more down here. Yeah. Okay. When you're talking about football, it just means more. Right. I think that's the way it is with deer. Yeah. It just means more to us. So yeah. we're giving a we're giving a deer that has eight tines. <laughs> right. We're calling him an eight pointer. Now, what do you do when you call when you see a buck that's five on one side, four on one side? Five by four. Okay. So yeah. you go ahead and yeah. go ahead and give the yeah. full yeah. full credit.
1: Well, we don't want to give him a five
2: point because he comes up a little short of that. Yeah, though. he's a little shy yeah. of that. Right. Well, no, I, we're, I was amazed at the deer just running around in the city. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a ton of whitetails. Now we would see mule deer running around spearfish as well, right? Not in town, no. Oh, really? So, you wouldn't yep. see
1: mule deer? No, no. Just the whitetails coming out of the upper hills here, okay. coming down into town. Okay. Yep. So that's what they would
2: do. Yep. Okay. Well, we we were we were impressed, and the and the kids were glassing these deer, but uh, no, so. A little introduction to you jason and we don't we don't have to go into great detail about this but and 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 I've talked to you some about it, but mm-hmm. you're a former navy seal I am yep, yep, and as it seems like as with some of these guys, that's you know that's not a, a big part of what you even wanna talk about that's what you did for five years mhm- yep, and uh yeah, so
1: yeah, it's a significant uh marker significant time in my life but uh you know like a lot of the veterans that are out there across the country they they're proud to have served they did it with pride and with excellence and and once they exit the military they look fondly back on it and are proud of what they've done but you know life does go on and we we develop new endeavors and and uh new opportunities and move on with our lives but it never leaves us never yeah it's always a part of us
2: yeah yeah well i think it I think it does indicate uh, something about a person to be able to go through Navy SEAL training to qualify to be a Navy SEAL to be deployed for as many years as you were. I mean, it's a it is a pretty gritty, tough experience. I yeah. mean, to that, that's not even that's that's <laughs> do, not doing it justice, but. That's that's what you did for five years of your life, right? And now since then you've moved on with a career in IT and yeah. a lot of different yeah. things. You've got your hands in. Right. Uh, w- one of those things is, uh, and this isn't even really what you do, but SouthDakotaHunting.com. Yep, yep. So it's a, a website that kind of entails what is SouthDakotaHunting.com.
1: Uh, we started it years ago, uh, just as a means. By which a lot of the hunters those that really enjoyed the sport and and you know back when 2010 i think is when we started it when social media was really getting fired up and everybody was realizing the power of shared community and yeah. and the ability in their lives and there was really not an outlet for that around the area and around south dakota and so we started that website yeah to create the opportunity for hunters to just kind of share what's going on, you know, as they take their kids out on their first hunt or, or they kill a big buck or, you know, their buddies, they want to talk about the stories and, and really created a kind of a community to, to allow the hunting
2: sport throughout South Dakota to, to raise its head a little bit. Yeah. 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 Well, that's cool. That's very cool. You know, you you said uh, shared community that made me, that made me jump to why me and you are friends. Mm-hmm. We're You're part of a church up here yep. that's connected to our church down in northwest Arkansas. Right, right. And me and you at different times have both been leaders of our men's group at yep. our church. Yep, and, right. uh, yeah, And also thinking about you being a Navy SEAL. I mean, most people would hear that and they'd be like, ah, oh, man's man right there. I mean, that's like the elite top of what a lot of people would consider – I don't know. Would have some indications of yeah, but part of one thing that we would have a really shared value system in is 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 what authentic manhood really is, which mm-hmm. I think for me and you we would say it's taking care of our family, being spiritual leaders of our homes. It's uh, sacrificial leadership mm-hmm. inside of our homes with our wives. Um, Yep. And that's a that's a massive part of both of our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it it
1: it really forms the core of how we think and how we make decisions and how we how we move forward and grow even inside of raising our kids and the activities that we do on
2: a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. And Jason, I think that that plays in significantly to a man's hunting. And if I may, if I may draw mm-hmm. the the conclusions there you know I, I, a lot of guys say you know or, or a lot of guys look at their hunting world and they're they're trying to figure out like how they can expand it or what they can do more mm-hmm. and almost all the time and, and people may not say it but the limiting factor of people's ability to hunt often is their family mm-hmm. and it is the other parts of their life that is that if if all the other parts of my life are in good order or well, my family is in good shape and I've committed the time that I need to my wife and my kids. If I'm being the husband that I need to be, the father that I need to be, the the, the business owner that I need to be, then these other places in life have a space. Right. And I think so often that's mixed up where guys are trying to create a space to Hunt, mm-hmm. it, or they see people travel, and they're like, "Man, I wish I could do that." And maybe mm-hmm. they push the envelope, and they go do it, and they bargain, and they 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 kind of, you know,
1: sacrifice the family stuff for the hunt. Yeah, right,
2: right. And and to me, the key is having a balanced life. Yeah, yeah. Because if your life is unbalanced, and you're not a good father, you're not a good husband, you're not a good business, you're, you're not a good employee. And you're stretching yourself to be a good hunter. Your your value system is all messed up, right? And and you're not going to be a good hunter. And and not that, not that the whole point of obviously our existence is to be a good hunter. But I think people that would be enthusiasts enough in hunting to listen to our podcast that's what they're thinking about. They're thinking yeah. about hunting. There, that's a passion of theirs. Right. And and I've never actually been able to formally say it on a podcast. But you're the perfect guest because mm. I mean. Um, to even bring this up, I wasn't planning on bringing the, this. Yep. Isn't in the notes, bro. We're going off. We're going off. <laughs> we're off script. No. We're off the script. But no, this is good. But you know, I think about that. It's like get. You, you know, guys are like, how how could I how could I travel more? How could I hunt more? How could I man? Get your life in order in yeah. other places, yeah. and then where it does fit, and when you do hunt, you you'll be more satisfied. You'll you'll you you won't have to be right. stretching yourself. Your wife will be happy. Your kids will be happy, and it becomes this kind of thing that fits into your life. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Thoughts on
1: that? I, you know, I, I've been a hunter for a long time and I really enjoy the sport and I enjoy the, the chase and the the thrill of the hunt, but I never, you know, the more I've grown and the mature, more mature I become, the more I've realized, uh, you know, I can have a, a nice buck on the wall. I can have fantastic stories and things to laugh with my buddies. But if it comes at the expense of my wife or my kids and the relationships that I have, you know, being an old man with a lot of bucks on the wall and being lonely just
2: doesn't, it doesn't not make a lick of sense, nope, does it? not at all. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, talking to you today, I mean, it seems like you're in a season of your life where your hunting is probably different than it's been in the past. Absolutely, yeah. And yeah. that's okay. Right. It, describe what that season would be, Jason. So, yeah, so I, you know...
1: There's been the opportunity to be very, very involved and grow even the marketing side of South Dakota hunting and the, the different websites that we have we've initiated over the years. And over the past two years it's just kind of had to take a backseat to what's been going on in the family and in the business and the yeah. the different activities even my wife has, how we've prioritized her activities and her involvement in community more than my what I seek and wanted to do and so you know part of that is the give and take in the family and there's season priorities and for me hunting while it's one of my loves it's always going to be there you know the same buck might not be but there will be bucks out on the hill and and so for the past couple of years it's just kind of taken a back seat to what's gone on my on in my family right. and it really i haven't lost anything in life yeah. by putting it on the back seat yeah. I, i've actually gained more than I could have by continuing with the intensity and the drive and the you know, the trips and the apply applications and filling the tags and having the stories and having the horns on the wall. But uh in the end now I know it was well worth the sacrifice and right. the time.
2: Yep. And your kids are your kids are teenagers. Yep. And you guys are still doing I mean, quite a bit of hunting, but it's more focused around them. Yep, yep. I mean, you got a deer hanging in the, you got a deer (laughs) hanging out here in the garage now that y'all killed last week. That's right. You don't have any buck tags, got some doe tags. Yep. But it's, uh, and see, I, I I think that that is a highly valued trait that people that are sometimes really passionate about anything. I mean, Mm -hmm. you might be passionate about tennis, Mm -hmm. you might be passionate about. So, something goofy like mm-hmm. tennis You're right no. but it, it's hard to turn it off right. sometimes as a man it's 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 hard to it's hard to to channel energy in a certain direction mm-hmm. but then dial it back purposefully right. in a right. disciplined way and uh, and i think that's part of manhood too mm-hmm. is understanding what the emphasis of the season is because the emphasis of the season May not always be the same thing exactly it yeah. really it it really may not always be the same thing, and that's okay, no matter what Instagram says, no right. matter what your favorite guy that you follow, he may be going hunting every i mean for he may hunt ninety days a year in the fall nonstop well that's not you right and and you know, I get to hunt a lot, so that's something I'm constantly balancing mm-hmm. Jason we talked mm-hmm. about it today right right I'm constantly balancing you know is this a trip I should do? Is this something I should do? What should I focus on? And, right. I, and I never take for granted that I should do something just because I can. Mm-hmm. Because opportunities are always going to be there. The more that information is disseminated about different places, like what I want to do with you mm-hmm. today, uh, talking about you know opportunities and what's going on in South Dakota, opportunities will constantly knock on your door. Mm-hmm. But it's like, where are you supposed to yeah. go?
1: Knowing where your life balance needs to be in order to maintain all healthy aspects of life, all aspects of life, is right. really, a, really
2: a, a a mark of maturity. It really yeah. is. Yeah. You know, I think, too, about the very—we talk a lot about—I I think a lot about kind of the origins of hunting and mm-hmm. how it fits into modern this modern world. Mm-hmm. This is what a lot of people would say, is that hunting is no longer relevant. I'm, I'm talking about, like, those who would be against us and not understand— our lifestyle and hunting mm-hmm. stuff, they would say like, well, hunting's not, you don't, you don't have to hunt. We have agriculture that raises meat for us, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. But if you actually get back to the very origins of why men left their families to go and hunt, it was for provision. Mm-hmm. It was to provide stability. It was to give them sustenance. It was to you know it 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 all goes back to this thing of provision mm-hmm. of meat. That's mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Yep. It was it it goes back to uh, so that kids could be raised and safe and in so if a man's hunting today takes away from that stability of the family, mm-hmm. and we're not talking about provision of meat now. We're talking mm-hmm. a metaphorical sense of right. you know. Then, I think that's where you would be getting it wrong. Mm-hmm.
1: You're not doing justice to really the the historic and uh you know the what it is that hunting is about,
2: and always right. has
1: been about right
2: yeah it's it's not been about this solo pursuit of capturing ego, mm-hmm. but it's been about gathering meat to provide it for your family right. now, we've turned it into more than that, which I think is okay. I mean, we do. You know, to it is fun. It's fun. It is fun. To, it, it, we've complexified it beyond mm-hmm. that, which I think is okay to go after a big buck and stuff. Sure. But I, I, think that I think that done right today, because of the lessons that can be learned inside of hunting as kids are brought into it, as the families involved in it, mm-hmm. I think there's there's value still for that very reason, not just in meat production, yeah. even though we literally are right. bringing back meat to yeah. feed our families. But you know, like my kids. Golly, the experiences that they have and the responsibility that they get to engage with inside of carrying firearms in the mm. woods. And I mean, just this last week, we we I took all three kids, uh, Saturday, five or six days ago, hunting. We were, we were rifle hunting, uh, and uh, the, my kids have their hunter's education cards. It's legal for them to hunt on their own. We're hunting on private land. And uh, I went with my youngest son, to, sent my two older ones off, and... And I looked at him and both in the eye, and I said, "You got a firearm in your hand. That thing will kill a man, and it'll kill you." I'm real direct mm-hmm. with him, you know, putting the fear of God in him. Make sure you know what you're shooting at. Right. Don't you know? Be careful. Use wisdom. And, it's not a toy, right? That's right. Yep. And and that's a pretty big thing for a 13 year old mm-hmm. to go do. A, a dad that, or you know, a, a kid that's never had the opportunity to do that. That the biggest responsibility that he's ever had is you know cleaning up himself after he plays video games Mm -hmm. i mean like there's a high level responsibility that comes inside of hunting that i think adds value and 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 can build a family in a good way Mm -hmm. and there's parts of it if i could say it that way yeah
1: i know for me it was a that is a huge component of my maturing process even as a child growing up hunting with my dad and his friends going along as the the child in the group of men. And it became an avenue to look at role models and see how life was supposed to be lived and be able to watch how, you know, like even gun safety and how my responsibility and beginnings of being able to manage life began in hunting.
2: Yeah. 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 Well, I think that there's... the, the, The unique thing about this life is that there's constantly there's constantly ways to grow inside of whatever we're doing mm-hmm. and hunting is what we're passionate about right. and uh and so there's it's deeper than just going out and killing an animal right. I, I think that's probably the the message that a lot of media is putting out now but, but i think it's that's the message that's inside of me is mm-hmm. that that this thing about hunting is much more than killing it's a lot bigger than this right. it can have a lot more significance but it's certainly not the only thing and it's certainly not the most important thing. And it's certainly not something that's going to, um, you know, I I think some people turn hunting and interaction with creation and wild places basically into their God, if I could say it Mm -hmm. that way, if I just, and being honest, I mean, they're just like, and to me, there's gotta be this wider suite of, of understanding of, God and life and family that gives value to the outdoors. Right. The outdoors doesn't validate that. Mm-hmm. This validates the outdoors. Right. If I could right. say it that way. Yep. Yep. You hear that a lot. I hear that a lot inside of media. Mm. It's almost like people are making the outdoors their just spiritual retreat. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I don't. I don't if you can't be, uh, you can't do it in your living
1: room. That's right you know, yes, it's beautiful, yes, it's serene, yes, it's quiet, but the same God is in both places. That's right. right. That's exactly right.
2: We're way off script. No, <laughs> This is good. That's all right. Yeah, Excellent. Now, so how did you, uh, you grew up right here and we're in Western
1: South Dakota. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so my I'm the I'm a fourth generation South Dakotan. Uh, my great grandfather homesteaded out by Faith, South Dakota, okay. about two hours east of here. Uh, cattle ranched. Grandfather cattle ran cattle. My father actually was a veterinarian, and I grew up helping on the ranch, branding in the summers. You know, working cattle every second or third weekend out that way. We would drive mm-hmm. from Spearfish here, but. Uh, yeah, grew up very much active outdoors in the ranch, uh, environment, hunting environment, and, uh, really, really learned, learned a lot of different aspects of life and, and hunting and guns and, you know, that type of thing in that environment. Yeah. Is
2: that what, uh, I've heard you say that that, was sort of what led you down to the path of military. I mean, what? Where was the, was there a connection there?
1: Well, a lot. Yeah, I mean, as a lot of Western South Dakotans, a lot of veterans up in the Upper Midwest. You know, where most most veterans I know may be a second, third generation military veteran. So, yeah. growing up hearing a lot of stories from grandfathers or fathers yeah. having been in you know the military before, and and it really being a service being a component of who we are as we grow up. You know, you look to your neighbors, you look to those around you, you American Legion, VFW in town, you know, military service is something to be revered as we grow up. And so myself having come from military on both sides of the family, it was always something on the radar, but, you know, being comfortable in the water, being comfortable guns, you know, teenage boy and, not knowing where he's going, looking around, thinking, jumping out of planes, shooting guns, blowing stuff up, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun to me
2: <laughs> today we uh we went we took all the kids sledding mm-hmm. up 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 here in the mountains, right a little bit of snow up there, and so my kids we are from arkansas our our water doesn't freeze very deep at all. The kids get out of the car, and your your son goes out onto this icy lake, and I'm like. I totally trust you and I trust him. He's a good kid. Yeah. And and I'm I'm kind of like questioning you like, "You sure it's cool for them to be out on that water?" And then you start telling me about uh you start telling me about like ice and the depths of ice and the strength that this ice has and I mean, you're totally cool yeah. with it. And uh, and so I am too. And they're out there playing on the ice and then and then uh, somehow we got onto uh how do you survive if you, you fall, fall through the through ice? It, right, and you went, you pulled back some of that seal training, and and you described to me how you survive in the ice, which was a uh, pretty infor- informative for me. Yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. panic. Let me, let me, let me go through it. You tell me if I all got right. it. Okay. First of all, everybody's going to go through this ultra shock of cold water. Get over it. Let your body kind of calm down, bob down, and you're probably going to come up in the same hole you came up out of. Yep. Am I right? Yep. Paddle with your back with, your feet, yep. paddle with you, your feet. Once you reach
1: forward and grab that ice, start kicking your hands feet out, on the hip. ice
2: and flutter your feet till your body comes up. Kinda, like you were gonna swim, right? Like you were gonna swim, and then keep kicking till so it's pushing your body up onto the ice. Just keep going. If it's thin, it'll bust a little bit underneath
1: your front end. But and then just kind of shimmy out onto the ice and keep crawling away from the hole. Yeah. And
2: you you said. You said ninety nine out of a hundred people. If they did that, they'd be totally okay. <laughs> I, I was thinking ninety nine out of a hundred Navy SEALs, maybe. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. Well, it it yeah, growing up around it, and then our family lived in Canada for four years, where we watched semis drive on the ice. That oh, was a geez. little freaky,
2: but yeah, when that ice gets thick; it gets strong. I've got no reference point for yeah. the thick ice. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, hey, what? Uh, so uh, let's first talk about mountain lions in South Dakota okay. to to dive to the topic at hand mm-hmm. here. Tell me about the a lot of people wouldn't know that there is a mountain lion season, and it's turns out it's only open to South Dakota residents. Correct, but uh, but I think it's pretty interesting. Most mountain lions, where there are seasons, they're being hunted with dogs. I mean, like hundred mm-hmm. percent. Mm-hmm. I, I would venture to say that ninety eight percent of mountain lions harvested in North America legally are harvested over hounds mm. i mean right. I, right i'm just pulling that number out of my hat but very few people would kill them any other way hunt them any other way but tell me about the hunt here in south dakota so
1: south dakota has a, a year wide it's actually a year long uh lion season so from january to december 31st you can hunt lions but and that's throughout the state of south dakota but the the season in the Black Hills, which is out in the western edge of South Dakota, and it blends into Wyoming, that is a fall season in through ap- the end of April. Um, anywhere outside of the Black Hills, if you see a mountain lion you can, and you have a tag, you can shoot him all year long. Uh, wow. largely, is there
2: quota system?
1: Uh, they do have a quota system. It's 60, 60 in a given year. 60? 60. Uh, 60 lions. Okay. And they have to they you know certain ages and a, and it's if it, once a 40 females get killed in that year the okay, season's over. Okay, so there's over. a female quota. Yep.
2: And yep. They, do they ever meet the quota?
1: They haven't in a long time. Uh, last year I want to say it was about 21 lions was all got killed right. last year. So it's, A lot of it plays into the weather. Last year we didn't have a lot of snow and because we're not uh, primarily a dog hunting lion state, it's spot and stocks. So the guys are having to stalk. walk them down. And so without snow it's real tough to get onto a cat. Once you have a lion tag, you can apply inside of a lottery for different draws inside of Custer State Park, some of which, I think it's uh, 12 or 15 cats can be taken over dogs. Okay. Three, three cats at a time during these little blocks of time throughout yeah. the fall, spring season. Uh, but primarily, it's walk them down. Find so them, tell walk me about them down.
2: that. Well, tell me what you know about that.
1: So a a lot of guys, uh, it's a there's a very very passionate group of hunters throughout the Black Hills. Black Hills mountain lion hunters. Uh, if you look them up on Facebook, big shout out to those guys. They they're they're it's a community of hunters that are passionate about mountain lion hunting that really share and talk and tricks and tips and some of these guys, I mean, have taken a cat six seven years in a row more than happy to come together spot and stock mountain lion hunting and you know they'll and they'll be the first ones to tell you you gotta you gotta wait for snow and you're running the hills you're running the tracks up there with your pickup and you cut a track and walk them down or you know and a lot of the guys learn to think like a lion they know how they run the ridge lines they know how the lions hunt they know how they behave and you know Taking a deer a week they know what to look for if they find a deer killed that's been buried and how far the cat might range or you know if he's sleeping off a belly full of raw meat what he might be doing so it's really a a a skill but it you know having never hunted lions outside of the black hills when this started i didn't know it wasn't normal that you had to spot and stock lions yeah right and so it it uh the fact that there is the opportunity to do it over dogs, obviously in Custer State Park, they can sex them. They can figure out what that cat is up in a tree, um, as opposed to the rest of us who are walking down a cat. And as long as it's not a spotted and as long as it's not with another cat, it's fair game. Right. But you don't know if you're getting a young cat. You don't know if you're getting an old right, and cat. And that's what
2: we were talking about earlier was that uh, there's there's been some talk about, uh, you know, if you're spotting stalking a mountain lion, the difference between a young mountain lion and an older mountain lion in a quick moment is would be pretty hard to judge. Yeah, and so I mean, you know, there's maybe some, maybe somebody's killing a juvenile lion, totally legal, totally legit. But uh, but you were saying that the houndsmen are like, hey, we're we're able to judge these animals and make a decision and take these older mature males, and that's something we talk about all the time is that, you know, some of these different hunting methods that a lot of people don't understand actually are very good tools for uh, allowing selective harvest. Right,
1: right. Yeah, it, it, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about it, and I really enjoy the fact that you can do it down in Custer State Park. Yeah. And, you know, at the same time, there's arguments on both sides on why it would be good and why it would be bad inside of the Black Hills as a general rule of thumb. And, you know, it, it really is tough when you see you know and and the game fishing parks will publish cuz once you kill a lion in South Dakota you got a certain amount of time where you got to get a guy you got to get one of the conservation officers to come weigh the cat measure the cat do all that yeah. it's really tough when you see you know you're watching you're following the the harvest as it's going cuz you're making sure a 40 females haven't been killed, but B, the season's open and you're watching and you're excited. You see guys take a big monster, Tom, and, you know, you want to see the photos or you see a, you see them, the weights and the lengths of these cats and the size of these cats come in and it's real tough to see that, you know, 40 pound or 30 pound young, young lion be one of the ones in the, that's been taken, you know, yeah, it's not spotted, but man, you know, you always question. How did you not know it was not that small? But yeah. it's exactly that. You take yeah. that snapshot. You see
2: that cat looking at you. It'd be hard to judge. Just it'd be like hard bear. to judge, right? Bear and lions just standing out in the woods would probably be similar in that they, without a point of reference or without a lot of time, without seeing a move, right. maybe they'd be hard to judge. But right. but still, from a macro perspective, you think of twenty maybe twenty lions last year killed mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. I mean, this is just a drop in the bucket of, of, of right. hunters being able to pull animals out. So, right. uh, but the spot and stalk thing, I don't want it to sound like we're dogging on spot and stalk at all, but it's, it's incredible that these guys can do this. I was thinking when you were saying these guys really learn and become students of these lions, when I was in New Mexico a few weeks ago, uh, the, the guy we were hunting with, he, he's free casting dogs and, on in during lion season sometimes he says if the dogs are having a hard time on a track he will he will try to guess not guess but he'll know about where that line was going mm-hmm. because the lions are pretty predictable i've heard in terms of their travel paths right like if 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 the dogs have struck him in this canyon there's a good chance that he's going to cross at the head of the canyon mm-hmm. and so you might be able to skip 2 miles off the track go to the head of the canyon and bam, the dogs are able to pick it up. I bet the, these guys are doing the same thing. Yeah.
1: Very similar. I've heard stories of these guys, you know, knowing if they're hunting in the same area and they're picking up a track in a certain, you know, in a certain draw or cutting across a certain opening and it's headed for a ridge line, they know how that lion thinks. Yeah,
2: Yeah, exactly that. And so they might go down and not see a track cross a road and then assume he's still in the canyon Mm -hmm. or something. Like Mm -hmm. if it's, Going a certain, the houndsmen do that. Like they'll track goes into this canyon. Well, let's go to the other side of the canyon, see if he's come out of this canyon. You know, with snow, you can mm-hmm. see that. Dry ground, mm-hmm. it's tougher. Right. But yeah, so I could see how people could do that.
1: Yeah. But yeah, yeah they they're, we I've really enjoyed watching that, and uh, well, you know, it's it's when you're up in the Black Hills and you're hunting lions. I mean, that's thrilling. That's In and, and, and of, of itself, cool.
2: yeah. You know, uh, let me let me take a minute and describe, and and you can help me too. But people may not understand; they may have no reference for South Dakota. Okay. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have until a few years ago, really. But like, we drove all the entire length of South Dakota mm-hmm. just yesterday. Uh, for three quarters of the of the state, it's it's flat. Totonnka country, mm-hmm. I mean like it, it's, corn
1: and grass r- really just grassland, yeah I mean land
2: flat and, yep. well, rolling hill, I won't say just flat mm-hmm. but but like uh just classic prairie prairie,, yep. and then just all of a sudden, you look out on the horizon and you see literally black hills right, and uh you the- the, the topography just changes into this rugged, karst. A uh, rough mountain range that has ponderosa pines, and, mm-hmm. and and from thirty miles away it looks black. Right. I mean, right. You, it's so easy to understand yeah. why they named it the Black Hills. Right. Right. And uh, these, so the mountains, literally that we're in right here, I think we we're talking the the highest point in between or east of the Rockies. Right. Is Har- Harney Peak now called Yeah Black Elk Peak? Black right. Elk Peak, right, which is over seven thousand feet. Yeah, right. In South Dakota. Right. Yeah, I think most people think of South Dakota as a prairie state. They don't really view it, you know, as a as a mountain state. But I mean, you got a peak seven thousand feet, um, where we're at here in Spearfish is about thirty eight hundred feet. Mm-hmm. Where we went today, the sled was forty five hundred feet, yeah, which is pretty good, pretty good elevation. Yeah, and and just rough, cool looking mountains. Yeah, yeah, perfect,
1: uh, perfect, uh, perfect habitat. From I mean. One of the big ones is the bird hunting and pheasants in South Dakota out in those yeah. grasslands. They're not purries. here, though, at all. No. You, you'll occasionally find one in a cornfield sneaking around, but that's about it. Now, there are yeah.
2: cornfields in the Black Hills? Occasionally, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a good place for us to talk about the big game species in South Dakota. Mm-hmm. What big game species are there in South Dakota?
1: So we have, of course, elk, mule deer, whitetail, uh, bighorn sheep, uh, mountain goat, uh, mountain lion, Um, they consider the, the Miriam turkeys, big game in South Dakota. Um, I don't no free ranging bison. They, well, no, they do. They do have a bison tag in Custer state park that you can apply for. And most of the, most of the Boone and Crockett records you'll see right now are coming out of Custer state park. So that's considered
2: a free range. Yep. Free range herd by Boone and Crockett. Yep. Correct. Hey, I forgot to say that you're a Boone and Crockett score. You bet. Official Boone and Crockett score. You bet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's a free. So you do. You totally have a yep. free range herd of bison in Custer State Park. Yep. Custer State Park is in the Black Hills.
1: Correct. Yep. It's about. Uh, is that two, where
2: Custer got taken down?
1: No. No. Named <laughs> after him, but that was a little further out. Yeah. Okay. Yep.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: So that yeah, that Custer State Park's one of the one of the areas where a lot of the. The big elk, the the bison, the, you know, obviously hunting on the dogs over, over, or
2: hunting the lions over dogs yeah. allowed down there. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So talk to me about the, so obviously like a bison hunt is going to be a very small limited draw hunt. We've seen that the, the lions are residents only. Mm-hmm. Elk is residents only as Correct. well. Correct. Yep. And so that's kind of, you know, a, a neat thing for residents, but. Probably the biggest non-resident attractions are gonna be whitetail, mule deer, and then pheasants. Pheasants. Which yep. is probably the biggest That's what we're known for. Right? That's what South Dakota's known for. Right. Is, state is, bird. Yep.
1: And that's the one that brings in a lot of the revenue from the outdoor industry into the state of South Dakota.
2: Yeah. Yep. Pheasant hunting. Yep. When's pheasant season? Uh it starts at the beginning
1: of October. Uh we have the locals only weekend. Uh, youth weekend, locals only weekend, then it opens to the public. How long does it stay open? Uh, it's, uh, you know, I believe it's been so long, honestly, since, and this may be where we <laughs> <laughs> edit this out, Cole. That's right. Uh, <laughs> nah. Through, I believe it's through the end of December.
2: Okay, so it's a couple months long. Yeah. So it's season right now. Right. So yesterday when we were driving through South Dakota, the entire width of the state on the interstate, I was, I was, encouraged to see all the businesses that had banners out in front of their gas stations and motels that said hunters welcome Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, It, it, South Dakota really is a hunting state. Yeah. We are
1: definitely a hunter friendly state.
2: Very much so. You told me there's 800,000 people in South Dakota. That's right. The entire state. Just over
1: 800,000. And
2: see, that was news to me as well. Uh, You know, Arkansas has 2.8 million people in the whole state. And we are at the lower tier of population of of states. Um especially in the east. Right. Um and anyway, eight hundred thousand people in a state this big is is sparsely populated. Yeah, I
1: think it'll, just
2: over eleven people per square mile. Eleven people per square mile. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, so pheasant, um t- now people can get non resident. Mule deer and whitetail tags. Correct. Yep. yep. And uh, and that's a point system, draw system. Talk mm-hmm. about that just a little bit.
1: Yeah. The, the, it's been. Uh, we South Dakota actually went through a pretty big change when it comes to our point and our draw systems the last couple of years, um, in really in an effort to make it give opportunity to more hunters was the objective. Uh, there are a lot that agree, a lot that disagree with the strategy that the game fish and parks took, but in the end, you know, it it it's going to make those that that want to hunt to have the opportunity to hunt for a buck given it may not be the year you want to get it but you know if you prepare you buy your points and you make the time and plan you'll be able to hunt for a buck in South Dakota Yeah, you know and for those of us that are residents you know we can always hunt archery tags we can always get those I mean you can put meat in the freezer you know and for those that are just strictly horn hunting uh, you got to make your plans for those that want to meat hunt and feed the family and make the jerky. You know, there's always anywhere you go, there's opportunity.
2: Are there whitetails and mule deer distributed across the entire state? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so even well, in the eastern, I should,
1: I should say, yeah. So the mule deer hang a lot in the in the western portion of the state, out in okay. the the ranches, and that the further east you go, the more you get into farm ground, uh, the corn. Uh, soybean the really the agricultural growth stuff that we that South Dakota puts out, and there you 'll see a lot more of the big heavy uh you know palmated gnarly white tails coming out of that area so the yeah. white the mule deer largely out in the west in the ranch land with the
2: cattle the okay. wide open draws but and there 's Approximately 2 million acres of national forest or public land Between total.
1: the grasslands and the Black Hills National Forest, Custer State Park, uh, yeah, I believe the the number is just over 2 million public acres. And then, of course, ranchers and private owners do a lot of leasebacks to the state to allow for public walk-in, even on private ground. And so okay. there's just a ton of ground all over the state that you can hunt on, as a you know, just walk in, signs everywhere as you drive up and down the highway where a hunter could get his tag in that county and hunt.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So you would say, uh you were we were talking about this earlier, but I mean a guy could have a decent chance at a decent mule deer up here if he drew the tag and yep, public absolutely. land. You think you really think so?
1: Absolutely. You bet. Yeah. I'm excited to uh watch the uh the Clay Nuka media video version of that stock. That's right. Oh
2: man. Well, I got, I got to put in, I've never killed a mule deer. Okay. Never, never killed a mule deer, never hunted a mule deer. So yeah, I'm, I'm, you're due. Is there any chance of draw on the first time? Uh,
1: You know, it's with the point change that's happened. I don't know how it's affecting the non-resident granted, because I'm not real read up on that. Uh, But the, I do know, you know, for, for the local residents it de- a lot of it really depends on um, whether or not that unit that you're applying to has a lot of competition. You know, okay. the Game fishing and Parks is very diligent about managing the the number of tags and with the yeah. ebbs and flows of the counts and the management of the game, uh, you know, those tag fluctuations will happen every year. Um, as far as the non-residents go, a certain percentage of the tags are allocated to the non-residents. So, yeah. you know, if you've got points and you're one of the ones that decides to apply in that area and you've got at the top end of the, the point counts, yeah. you're going to get a tag.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I saw a guy yesterday at a gas station, pulled up besides getting gas and uh, he got out and he had camo. I could tell he was hunting and I started, I started talking to him. I said, are you hunting? He said, yeah. He said, we've been mule deer hunting. Really? I said, do any good? He pulls out his phone and after about 30 seconds of talking to him, I realized he was like the real deal about a 50 year old guy, Mm -hmm. kind of thin and wiry. And he said, man, he said, yeah, we're bow hunters. And, uh, he flipped open his phone and he had, I don't know how much it would have scored, but I bet it was 25, 27 inch wide mule deer, big forks. Um, and and he said, yeah, I killed this last week with my bow. Mm-hmm. I was like, really? I mean, I was like, that is a big mule deer. I said, is that a good one for, and he said, yeah, that's a good deer. He said. He said they're easy to kill. <laughs> that's what he said. He said. He said, and I, I knew what he meant was yeah. that if you're really good right. and you have good land and you know where you're going, and you, they're easy to kill for you, right? But uh, he was just like he was just like, yeah, you ought to apply. You ought to come. I mean, he was just yep. like totally just like come up here and hunt. Yeah, I should have got his phone number, man. That's what should <laughs> No, he was a neat guy. There, there was a lot of. I was I was surprised yesterday coming through about how much, how many hunting. We saw a buck in the back of a guy's truck. I mean, you know, I don't, that's exciting for me yeah. on a family road trip to be yeah. like, look at that guy. There's a hunter. There's a hunter. There's. It's a really hunter.
1: exciting in September, you know, sept- late September, mid September, early all well all throughout September when uh, you see some of these guys coming out of the upper hills with the elk hanging out the back uh, end. Yeah, some of those big fellas coming. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: So uh so we've talked about mule deer Whitetail, non-residents as well can apply for, but they're going to be kind of in a, well, they're going to be more in the eastern part of the state, but there's plenty of whitetails statewide.
1: Statewide, They
2: cover the whole state. Correct, yep. But they're not going to be in the same terrain as the mule deer most of the time. Most of the time, right. They're going to be in the, they need a little more cover. Right.
1: So we, yeah, so growing up, the the ranch my grandfather had out by faith had both. We had a lot of whitetail down on the creek bottoms in where we'd raise, you know, raise some of the, the grains for our cattle. But out in the outer pastures and the draws and the wide open areas, out in the buttes, we'd have a lot of mule deer. So, you know, even in a small area like that, and that was you know around ten thousand acres was all it was, uh, you're going to have a a, definitely a range of different type of game available. Yeah, yeah.
2: Bighorn sheep. Yes. World record bighorn sheep here in South Dakota. Dakota. That's right. Where was that thing killed? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I don't know. Oh, really? Yeah.
2: I mean, it was on this side of the state, though.
1: Yes, it was. I mean, there's
2: no. there wouldn't be bighorns. In no, the it would eastern. be in
1: South Dakota here. I forget his name
2: off the top of my head, but, yeah, he. I think – It was a young guy with a yeah, bow. Really yeah, a really young guy. With a bow, I yep. think. Yep. Yeah. Golly, I, I saw pictures of it. I didn't pay a lot of attention to it. I mean, I don't – I'm not a I'm, – I'm I don't know much about bighorn, really. But, golly, it looked like its bases were as big around as a – I don't know that. Bad.
1: And they, and they have only uh, that the bighorn and the mountain goat. They'd only recently opened those back up again. The mountain goat really got roughed up through the '80s. I think they shut her down in. Uh, I, I want to say '85, '86, and they opened it up. I think it was three years ago, four years ago. Really, and it's just two tags, two tags a year they've been
2: given. Okay, so it's uh, just a small. Yeah, hunt. just
1: letting them, in. And, and some of those are spectacular goats as well yeah so I mean the 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 bighorn the mountain goats uh they're they're the once in a lifetime so you a resident draws you you work you know I know these guys that are pulling some of these tags Uh, a couple guys from uh, East River pulled them the last couple of years and and I kind of followed him on on Instagram and Facebook and that watching him prep and hunt and I mean, he spent a good month, month and a half scouting, looking at the herds, following him
2: around before he selected, you know, the billy he wanted. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's pretty incredible. Um, well, those are the, those are the main big game species that I mm-hmm. wanted to talk about. Do you do much pheasant hunting? I, I've
1: done a little bit of pheasant hunting. I got a lot of buddies from out of east that do a lot of pheasant hunting. It, I've done it a few times with friends, done it a few times with family, you know, different uh uh friends even around the black hills will raise some like penned pheasants release them out on their on their cornfields and things and so just uh-huh. to have friends and family come in but out east it's a pheasant hunting's almost a religion in and of itself now I mean,
2: pheasant aren't native is the, that correct
1: correct they were brought into south dakota uh years and years i want to say 1800s it's just the climate the food everything just
2: you know that's really unusual that the bird would do so well here that it would become. It'd be interesting to take a poll of all the people that are listening. How many would have known that uh, a pheasant was not a native game bird to North America? Right. I mean, a few years ago, I might not have known that hmm. uh, because you think a quail, pheasant, right. ducks. Like it's just like, well, yeah, pheasants. They're yeah. they're part of the landscape. Right. But uh, but for them to be adopted by state agency, usually introduced species. Are shunned by state agencies, hogs, uh, now guy down in Texas. They're not shunned necessarily, but um, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of introduced species in Texas, but some of them, like the now guy, um, uh, have have just have free range populations mm-hmm. and breed on their own mm-hmm. and do all their stuff. But anyway, I always thought that was interesting about pheasants, yeah, uh,
1: yeah. And it, it you know, it's it was so long ago, granted, that they became part of our. Our culture, our landscape, yeah, yeah that yeah, it, yeah it's just, just who we are now. Yeah, it's yeah. an
2: American bird now. Right. I mean, right. just functionally, it's right. a, it's an American bird. That's right for yeah. sure. But do they have bobwhite quail up here?
1: They do. They do. In fact, they we have them in the hills even, and you know, I had I never saw them out in faith growing up, out in that you know, out in that area. But uh, we do have them around. Yep. Yeah,
2: hmm. yeah. Now I could get excited about some bobwhite quail yeah. hunting.
1: Lots, uh, lots of sharp tails. Uh, lots of, uh, you know, of course the pheasant you'll see all throughout the state just depends on the, really the cover and what you got growing in the fields, but, uh, uh, partridge doves, a lot of dove hunters. Hmm.
2: Yeah. All throughout. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Interesting. Well, it truly is an interesting state. It, uh, it encompasses a lot of, a lot of different topography Mm -hmm. and, uh, a lot of cool big game species Yeah, for sure. Yep. But yeah, every time we come out here, it's it's. Uh, I've yet to hunt here. I was going to
1: say you you end up coming, but you never you never bring a gun, and you never plan to come
2: during hunting season. I know. Yeah. Well, so this is this is <laughs> this is my staging place for going further west to right. bear hunt. Right. I I come here so in route from Arkansas to Montana where I bear hunt. This is this is further than halfway. Right. But I end up staying the night here with in, in spearfish, and then. Going on. on but yeah. speaking of that, black bears. Black black bears in South Dakota. They, ready to go.
1: You bet. We uh for years they've been kind of rumored to been caught on trail cams, and we didn't know if it was a Bigfoot or a bear, but uh <laughs> they in the last couple of years they've gotten good confirmation that they're pushing in, uh largely from the the western side through of the Black Hills that's over in Wyoming. And uh so we're we're anxious, you know, the hunters, I know for the ones I, I talk with, I speak with, I've run with a bit, uh, you know, it's good to see that a game can push back in, uh, yeah. you know, no season yet. There weren't when the lions came back at some point as they, as they come in, as they grow, as they breed, uh, you know, it'll definitely be something that, the uh, the state has to look at, uh. You know, keeping an eye, communicating with the landowners, the hunters yeah. as they see them. But uh, I, I think it's a good thing for the black guys. Yeah.
2: I mean, driving around today, I mean, this is perfect black bear country. And we're not, uh, how far away from the Wyoming border here? We're about 11 miles. Oh, I mean, we're just right on the mm-hmm. hills of Wyoming. And and uh, the Bighorns in Wyoming are how far? The Bighorn Mountains in Wyoming.
1: Uh, Those are about three hours drive. With Two and, and a half. Way, yeah, the Bighorns are.
2: Okay. Bighorn, Actually,
1: they, they they may not even be that far. I
2: yeah, that sounds about right for yeah. when we drive out there yeah. from here, driving west. But the Bighorn Mountains, of Wyoming, would be great bear country. Right. I mean, so you think about that in terms of bears moving. You know, two and a half hour drive might be, uh, you know, one hundred twenty miles or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mean, if there was no uh, fragmentation in terms of You know, interstates and different things can fragment populations Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. keep them from moving back and forth. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, but from here to there is nothing really. Right. Um, So it makes total sense that bears would be coming into the Black Hills. Certainly they were here. Years uh, and years ago, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they were natively, they were definitely here in the Black Hills. Yeah. And so
1: a lot of a lot of Native American culture and history and and you know the stories of their past are centered around black bears in the Black Hills. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. So uh, they'll be back. That's the cool thing about these bears is that they they're bouncing back all over the place. Mm-hmm. What whatever is happening ecologically and on a landscape level in North America is beneficial to black bears. Right. It really is. I mean there there's no there's very f- I can't think of any places where you hear all oh, the black bear population is really struggling i mean you you don't hear that now, certainly, there are pockets of suitable habitat that bears have yet to infiltrate into, and the black hills would be a great example mm-hmm, of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, like they're moving back in right right um but once they get a foothold here, you won't be able to get rid of them <laughs> which is a good thing, right, especially with the conservation and scientific wildlife management laws that we have today. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. never going to hunt them out Mm -hmm. and the habitat is going to be protected because all this country that they're going to live in is, is public land. That's, Mm -hmm. that's not going to be, you know, altered in some way or Mm -hmm. sold off and developed. I mean, so it's like once they get back now at this kind of stable time in history, they'll be here. Right. You know, they won't get decimated again. That's right. They won't. They won't. A lot of people might not understand that, but Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, um, okay, a couple of specific questions. Gun of choice, rifle of choice for Jason Boak for Hunting South Dakota for all that you do. I mean, just like one, you got one gun. One gun. You got one gun. Cal, you know, I'm talking caliber. Yep. You can go yep. specific if you want.
1: I, I, I grew up shooting a Winchester Model 70 uh, 243. I have evolved that to the 270. Okay. I like that 270. 270 cartridge. Yep. I can take I can take the pronghorn antelope. That's my favorite animal in South Dakota to hunt. Okay. Uh like you can knock down the
2: lions and the elk with it as well. What yeah. uh is there a specific load you like? I mean, is there a do you have a bullet weight preference or you know, no. I would say we've I've shot
1: everything from the boat tails to, you know, we we're kind of playing with some of the barns rounds right now, but uh it, a lot of it varies and depends on what we're hunting.
2: Were yeah. you trained in long range shooting and your SEAL training?
1: Uh I would say I I didn't go through sniper training, so I I wouldn't ever claim that I'm a a sniper. Did we do a lot of <laughs> You know, six, 600 yard shooting, 500 yard shooting, yeah, you betcha. But uh, precision, long range shooting, me personally, trained in the military, no. After the fact, uh, you know, we've, we shoot deer, you know, get the guns nowadays, the trajectories, the ballistics inside of these rounds. And some of the guns, you know, you can reach out there and touch them if you have to in this wide open prairie. Oh, and sometimes yeah. you really have to.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You you cut me to the chase, the next question was favorite animal to hunt? You said it. Why? Um, I've heard i I've heard a couple of western guys say that and that really surprised me. With all the all the other stuff that you can hunt, why is pronghorn your favorite?
1: You know, part of it is I think is the just the adventures growing up, uh, out in the prairie and that pronghorn antelope, that thing can move when it wants to. You know, I think they say it's the second fastest land animal mammal and uh it'll 60 miles an hour some crazy number i mean they'll flat out move and you know they're very uh i i've heard a lot of guys argue that some of the ones coming out of wyoming or depending really it depends a lot on what their habitat looks like what they're eating what what they're what kind of environment they're living in. The, the ones we're hunting here in Western South Dakota, particularly, and I know the same holds true in mid middle of the South Dakota as well. Uh, you know, a lot of it's grass, just prairie grasses and things like that. And so you think what's the highest, best taste in steak you can buy? It's those grass fed, corn fed, you know, beef cattle this pronghorn antelope is is he's not eating sage he's not eating stuff like some of the ones throughout the country are i see these pronghorn are eating just prairie grasses and native stuff and and uh something about the meat it is just for me it is the best tasting wild game meat out there that i have had i mean i've i've eaten a lot of different stuff and one if you get it and you 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 know you run that guy to death you make him go 60 miles an hour and you get him frothy under the you know the front shoulder he's he's not going to be that good but you get one of those does or you catch one nice and calm and put him down clean and and treat the meat right it it is like nothing else and you know and part of the adventure is they are when they're in the rut they are absolutely crazy those bucks I've I've you know seen i've had bucks run up to me within 20 yards charging you you're standing there waving a flagging them just a little i mean I, i've pulled a envelope with my tag the little white envelope that your tag comes oh, in out of my back that's just pocket. wrong
2: to use your <laughs> tag to call them in that's
1: unethical pull it out of your pocket and wave that envelope <laughs> and that really? buck gets so curious and he comes running at you and walk in and i mean we've we have story after story of the group of buddies that hunt that the antelope just they're fun they, i mean it's you just fun. you end up with stories hunting antelope almost like none other just because they're uh. so curious uh you know and they they guys will put flags on hilltops and sit within 20 30 yards with their bow and a few hours later that antelope is nuzzling that flag wondering what it is i mean it, it they just have a curiosity and a and a, and a boldness to them that it you can okay. if you need to you can leverage, but at the same time it's it's just fun to it's fun. It to seems hunt like them. they're
2: really they're they're at the right time. They're really responsive. They're
1: really really responsive. And that is yep. fun in yep. hunting
2: when you can call. Well, you're not calling them, but flagging them in. Yeah, I mean, I've never experienced yep. that with, with.
1: Yeah, the guys the guys that I know that archery hunt them, they say that is one of the most fun archery hunts hunts there is, just because of that that thing. I mean, you're, you're, you're flagging him in, you're, you, you know, you find the buck and you, you really, you're getting his attention as opposed to everything else spot and stock. You, you don't want him to know you're there. And these, you want him to know, you want to pique his curiosity and, you know, with decoys or with, uh, you know, the uh, whatever flag or different piece you use to, to bring that guy in, you catch him at the right time and he's out to kill you. And wow. the, the adrenaline rush as that guy is coming at you 20, 30 miles an hour and pulls up within three yards to stop short and snort and whistle at you. Yeah, it's a That's diff- cool. different kind yeah. of adrenaline rush. That's pretty
2: cool. Um, okay, you told, I heard you describing last night the way that you like to cook. I think you called it tips.
1: Yeah, so we do. well. Tell me the whole process. You betcha. So South Dakota is famous for chislic. Um, and i don 't know if you know different listeners have heard that, but it 's a almost a flash fried meat so okay. they'll they 'll marinate the meat and, and what do you marinate it in uh so us we have kind of a special blend of red wine and soy and Worcestershire sauce and red pepper flakes and different things that that got handed down from hunt and buddy to hunt and buddy and generation to generation. And and, and we we kind of use that marinade in a special way, but the Chislic itself is just a flash fried. It could be marinated in any number of things, but it's hot oil and just straight in. And so a lot of South Dakotans would have had that, you know, at the VFW or at these different men's gatherings or hunter gatherings or so
2: talk to me about the whole process though because you told me about battering yeah, yeah, yeah. And so how you so do that. that's the
1: tips and that's one of the it, it's kind of a thing here in spearfish one of the restaurants in the area kind of has a famous set of tips and you know there's a, a an old hunting buddy of a lot of us out here in the spearfish and northern hills area raleigh uh he he would have had this recipe for tips years and years ago and we cube the meat and from myself, it would be the pronghorn antelope or venison or, or one of those into an inch, inch and a half. And uh, once it's cubed, you kind of let it come to room temperature and uh, nice and clean. You want it almost, you know, back straps, uh, roasts, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what meat. And uh, you take it and it really, it hits that marinade for about 15, 20 seconds, not long. I mean, just just enough to give it a little bit of flavor. Roll it in a self-rising flour, and then into a 400 degree, 425 degree hot oil for you know 15 seconds to a minute, however you like your meat. And out it comes, and I mean we we that's kind of our tradition over July Fourth is eating the wild game, doing tips that way. We call it okay, you know, and I mean it is fantastic. chislik chislik is the chislik's typically done in smaller pieces without the breading, just straight. Crispy on the outside and, you know, medium rare on the inside. Really? We do the tips with a little bit of breading and that that marinade type of okay. stuff. And Yeah, so both those ways are, are some of our favorite ways to eat the
2: wild game that we take. Okay, here's the next question. And you may have to come back to it if you can't think of something right off the bat. What is something that you do or your family does that's like a great tip for... Hunting, skinning, cooking—like secret tip, not 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 mm. secret. Just like, let me give you an example. Okay, mm-hmm. on the last podcast we were up in Canada, and a couple podcasts ago, and we were talking to Tom Ainsworth, and Tom uses an air compressor to clean the brains out of a skull. So let's say mm. you've skinned the skull of a deer, <laughs> and and you got to take it back. And uh, he he puts a little uh, copper tube on a on an air compressor fitting, one hundred and twenty psi. <laughs> and you take that copper tube, you put the you put the horns and the skull down in the bucket, pointing down. You put that little copper tube up there, and you just blow it out. <laughs> one, <laughs> and it is clean as a whistle inside mm. that brain cavity. Okay. I got so many responses off that. People are like, that is an incredible tip. Guys were sending me pictures of them using that. So, any, Mm, what? That's a good one. Uh, Just a, okay, you've given us a good one on the, on the, on the, on the meat. Yep. Is there anything, anything you guys do that's like Hmm. special?
1: Boy, I'd have to think about that. I know, you know, tips for us is, is, uh, I mean, I know I'm for a lot of the big game hunters. I am creating the the ultimate faux pas and saying that I take those loin steaks and we make tips out of those because okay. that is the you know the cut on the animal. But uh, you know, we 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 really protect those for the tips. Okay, uh, I would okay. say I would say if that was the one tip we have or the one trick we use. It would be how we prepare that stuff. And, okay. I mean, our family. No we, fancy
2: tricks for no. like sharpening knives, uh, handling pistols. I, you're you're a pistol guy. Uh, yeah. Of that you were trained in Navy SEAL and yeah. how to shoot a pistol. Yeah. You uh I'm just thinking of. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm trying to probe you here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I you know pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward. Okay. We you know. Subscribe to the uh, if you're gonna pull the trigger, make sure it's gonna fall down. So
2: you know. <laughs> one shot, one kill. <laughs> that's that's, why, that's, your that's tip. the
1: objective. yep. that's the Jason boat tip. Yeah, that's what that's that, one that'll shot, get one that'll kill. get it done. That's right. Yeah,
2: right on. Well, hey this is this has been uh, this has been informative. I've learned some stuff. Good to have you on. I'm glad we went off script at the beginning. That's good. Yeah, that's yeah. good stuff. And uh, any any closing comments. You know, I don't. I,
1: I, I, I appreciate the opportunity to just kind of get on here and talk about South Dakota. You know, like I said, South Dakota is one of those places in the country that not a lot of people have heard about, though our our state's recent uh, marketing effort to, you know, we won't go there yet. But <laughs> I'm sure many other listeners of you go on social media right now, you're going to hear a lot about South Dakota. But rest assured that not all of us are. Not all of us are crazy, um, although the the marketing efforts is getting people <laughs> I, to talk about I think South we, Dakota. I think we got to say it. now we got to go there.
2: We got to say yes. it. we got to say we we yes. laughed about this last night for thirty minutes. Right, right. So so they're they're trying to put a curb on like every other place in the country on the on meth. Right. And yeah. so once it, you, it,
1: it is. It's a real problem in South Dakota. It has become much, much more so in the last few years. And so they they spun up a marketing effort that anybody, any of the listeners can go out and see. And but meth, we're on it, you know. And <laughs> and while that's it, meth, that's, we're on it. That yeah.
2: so that's on billboards. That's yeah. on. That's on radio. That's on. This TV, is their marketing yeah. campaign. And the point of the phrase was like, meth. We see the problem. We're working to.
1: We're all on it together to deal with the issue. Right.
2: Except the phrase is (laughs) meth, we're on it. Right. And so they have taken tremendous flack. Right. And uh, Jason was so kind as to enlighten us about this uh, major marketing uh, initiative going on. Right. Wow. Right. Wow. So you know that's your closing statement. Well, that that aside,
1: you know, something you know, <laughs> while that is what we're currently in the in the current news cycle famous for,
2: yeah, uh,
1: the you know, within this podcast and the listeners know that uh, that's not all South Dakota is known for. No, so lots of we, much better stuff. Right?
2: Really? It, I thought it was. I mean, like for ten minutes into the conversation, I was still like. My mind was trying to compute whether this was true. Right. It was like, everything Jason Boak has ever said to me has been true. <laughs> I don't believe what he's telling me. <laughs> but It's, it's crazy. Yeah, well, it hey, not, we can't just leave South Dakota in the lurch here. You know, Arkansas, we've had our recent national faux pas, particularly with our football team. Mm. So Arkansas Razorbacks are in the SEC, the Southeastern Conference, which I mentioned earlier. I'm not a big football <laughs> fan at all. But, you know, I kind of pay attention Mm -hmm. to it at times. And uh, so the Arkansas Razorbacks are 4-18 and over the last two years. And so we just fired our football coach mid-season. SEC football team (laughs) firing their coach mid-season because we got beat by Western Kentucky by like 30 points, Mm. which the Razorbacks have historically been a very competitive nationally ranked usually team. Mm You know, if you looked at the broads, and then we got beat by, and nothing against Western Kentucky, but they're not a national competitor. In right. any way, so hmm. that's kind of that's kind of our claim uh, to fame right now. That's huh? our yeah, that's our claim yeah. to, claim to shame. Yeah, <laughs> but
1: yeah, uh, but uh, you know, it all all joking aside about the the effort and the marketing. You know, South Dakota is definitely one of those states that if you're a hunter if you're passionate about the sport and you know even like we shared at the beginning as part of your life balance are looking for opportunity and you know the the different variety of hunts yeah it's it's hard to
2: for from our opinion it's hard to beat it oh yeah. i agree yeah incredible state well hey we always close the podcast by saying keep the wild places wild because that's where the bears live right on right on All right. Perfect. Very cool.
0: You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries.